Welcome to In Conversation with a Creative-Spirited Woman. We have in our studio today, Kathy Pope. Welcome to the studio, Kathy. Hi, Gaia. Thanks for having me. Now, let's go to the beginning when you started, um, you inherited some amazing jewellery. I did. And talk to us so, about how you got into this creative process. Well, I mean, it's sort of been a bit of a um, changing and evolving career for me that's always been based around design. Um, I guess if I was going to sort of put everything into context um, for the people who are listening, um, should I, I've only actually been doing the jewellery design for six years. But before that, I was, and I was inspired by some jewellery that I'd inherited. It wasn't exactly um, the crown jewels, but um, just some really nice pieces that I inherited from my grandmothers and things that I used to wear. And I um, preferred to wear jewellery that was a little bit different and wasn't mass produced and um, readily available in all the shops. Um, so, yeah, before that, um, I was a costume designer and film and television and a dressmaker, so it was really just a natural um, progression from design of garments and costumes and beautiful things into the jewellery. Beautiful, so it was almost as if this was just another facet. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, um, to describe it. Um, I, yeah, it was really just um, an accidental business that evolved organically and it wasn't um, be planned. It all just sort of um, happened. Not without a great deal of effort, but it certainly wasn't, you know, my intention to be a jewelry designer. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Cathy, so could you talk to us about your design experience before you, the costume design experience before we go more into the jewelry? Mm, yeah, sure. So when I was in my... I didn't... I didn't... I'd actually... I wish like that. So I've been dressmaking and sewing since I was a young girl. Since I was about 14, I was making clothes for myself. My mother was a dressmaker. She made beautiful wedding dresses as a professional dressmaker. And she taught me how to sew. And I, and the, my clothing is a little bit like my jewellery. I prefer to wear things that are a little bit more unique and not mass-produced. So as a teenager, I was designing and making clothes and wasn't really encouraged to do anything creative or artistic at school or even in my tertiary education. So I went on to do a degree in communication studies and media, um, which really, you know, back, um, back when I was 18, which is uh, nearly 30 years ago, there were a lot of creative um, options mm. available mm. for tertiary studies. So I um, worked in advertising and corporate and media for about um, uh, six, seven years, and then I decided that I wanted to fuse my dressmaking with my degree in television and film. So I then worked on Lord of the Rings, and I was a extra costume dresser on the Lord of the Rings for about eighteen months. Mm. So that sort of that was sort of that planted the seed for me of being self-employed, being a freelancer, mm. and working in a um, creative field. So I was exposed to a lot of a lot of really interesting departments on a film like that, like the art department, the costume department. Within the costume department, there was jewellery designers, clothing designers, shoemakers. It was really quite fascinating. And then um, I just sort of progressed to that. I then worked over in Ireland and Dublin, and I started working on 
theatre and opera and film and things over there. And so if we fast forwarded, um, you know, 15 years, um, I was still just making and things in between those contracts. And the jewellery just sort of gradually evolved out of that. Um, mm. it, it just sort of, um, you yeah, know, came about by me making some necklaces for myself that my friends admired and they wanted them. And then I had orders and, yeah, it just sort of went from there, really. That's sort of how it pretty much started. And what I tend to do, I mean, the thing I like about gemstones, especially natural gemstones, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of synthetic ones out there, I like yes. natural gemstones because they have a lot of inclusions and imperfections in them, which mm. I think is part of the beauty of them coming from the earth, because mm. the earth isn't perfect either. Mm. So I choose the gemstones based on the meanings of the gemstones. Beautiful. Um, I, I, that is a really important part of Cathy Coat Jewelry is that they are stories set in stone, mm. my design. Mm. And so telling the story of the gemstone is a really important component. So no, I'd love to say that I go and and pick things, but it doesn't quite work like that because um, what I do is I I work with the intention of a gemstone that I like. And so when I'm designing, like at the moment I'm designing because I'm heading to India on Friday to work with my manufacturers, I'll be thinking of the, the colour of the gemstone, what I know that gemstone um, shimmers like, what how it acts in certain cuts, like um, whether it should be facet cut, whether it should be a cabochon, whether it should be carved. Carved mm. is something that I'm quite fascinated in. I'm going to explore that back while I'm in India this trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of always have these things in the back of my mind, and really something that I'm struggling with at the moment is I'm thinking, what gemstones can I use that are different to past collections? What colours do people like? It's always a fine line um, between what I like and what I know my customers like and what is going to sell. Mm. So I've, I've trialled a lot of things over the years. I've used a lot of really um, obscure, unusual gemstones. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are, but sometimes they just don't sell. Um, people just don't really like them. So it's important to sort of, I feel like six years into my business, I'm at the point where I understand what my customer wants. Mm. I know what I like. I know what they look like. So I'm always kind of drawing balances between all those decisions. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a lot of customers who are really deeply um, committed to the meaning of the gemstones, mm-hmm. and that is a lot of the reason um, that they buy. But if they didn't like the design, they wouldn't buy it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a combination. There's some that are sort of 75% meaning of the gemstone, 25% design. Um, but I would say that my customers are main, probably 50-50. They're 50% drawn to the gemstone to present the design. If it's a bad design, they're not going to buy it. It's mm. just as simple as that. Mm. Um, so there are some people who just aren't into the meaning of gemstones. They think it's all mumbo-jumbo. Mm. Um, so they wouldn't even entertain what... I mean, they, they're just not interested in, in, in the, the meaning, the story behind the stone. Mm. So therefore, for them, it's just purely design-based. Right. right. So yeah, it's a real you do have stockist, so which parts of are, are they only in New Zealand or are there stockist in other parts of the world? I have got quite a few custom, a few retailers overseas, but I tend to focus on New Zealand because I feel my primary market is New Zealand, mm-hmm. and because I have quite a good personal relationship with my customers, 
that's an area of my business that I would prefer to grow rather than getting too big and exporting and wholesaling. Wholesaling, which is what you're doing when you're exporting, mm. is really kind of not where a small business makes much money. Mm. So I'm just focusing on New Zealand, really. Beautiful. So do you But have... if anybody out there wants to stop my jewelry, I'm more than welcome to. <laughs> Now, Cathy, do you have a shop in Auckland? Um, no. So what I do is I've got a showroom. So my studio where I work from home, which is a detached showroom out the back of my house, the studio, um, that is available for customers to come and visit, try things on, and they can buy. So it's just by appointment. So I suppose you could say it's a shop, it's just that it's by appointment and it's private. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have stockists. Um, so I do have um, my jewellery stocked at Smith Coe's, uh, which is New Zealand's largest department store, which is in Queen Street, and there's another one in Newmarket. Mm -hmm. And I do have smaller stockists scattered around the country, but Smith Coe's would be my main one. But one thing that works really well for me is my studio showroom, mm -hmm. because I have events here, um, I have open studio weekends, Um, but yeah, I just keep my address private, so people just have to contact me directly to get the address. Beautiful. It works really, really well. Yes, lovely. Now, Cathy, could you tell us the transition that took place in the past um, couple of years towards e-commerce, and how is that working for you? Well, I think that I was particularly lucky because when I started my business six years ago, that was when e-commerce was just starting to really take off. Uh-huh. So I was in the quite early stages of that and it was how it really helped my business launch. So instead of me using a more traditional business model of selling products, which would be to sell them to a retailer at a wholesale price, which is about 50% of what the retail price is, mm. I went straight to having a website And because I already had a website as a costume designer and dressmaker, mm. all I had to do, it was more of a portfolio website, all I had to do was get a, to install an e-commerce platform to it so that people could buy off my website and I could send out jewelry to them. So I did that as a sort of an experiment and it really just took off. Mm. And that was where I realized quite quickly that for me as a small business to make money, I would better to use e-commerce as a platform rather than wholesaling mm. Mm. because my margin was better. Mm. So I would put the ticket all the way myself instead of only getting 50% of the value of my goods from a retailer. Mm. So e-commerce, to answer your question, e-commerce to me is 80% of my business. Mm -hmm. It is so easy for me to... Um, manage it from my studio mm -hmm. so I have upgraded my website obviously a few times in the last six years um, but I'm always working with my web developer to um, make my website better and I also can integrate my e-commerce platform which is my website mm -hmm. into my social media which I do all myself and I'm always connecting the two things 
I have to also support them by, by sending my customers to them if they live in those particular towns. So it's a, it's a fine balance and it's a relationship that you have to uh, manage quite easily. Mm, mm, that is so true. Now, Cathy, could you tell us some of the challenges you faced when, during the past, um, you know, since you've launched your jewellery business, to all the young entrepreneurs out there, if you were to inspire them, what are the things they should look out for or be aware of? Oh, that's such a good question, but there's so many things. <laughs> one, thing that I, one thing that I would encourage people to do, and I, I do this a lot with my friends who are starting up small businesses, mm. I, I, would, I would encourage you to start your business organically by yourself without going into massive debt. Mm. So you don't bring debt to your business straight away. A lot of people feel that they have to borrow money um, before they start a business, I really think that's, uh, that's starting your business on the back foot. Mm. So, you know, I'm lucky that I didn't do that. Everything I earned, because I was also, when I started my business, and I'm still doing it now, I'm still working as a costume stylist on television commercials. Mm-hmm. So I'm weaning myself off that work, mm. but I still need it because it funded my jewellery business. So mm. what I would say is um, just try and try and wean yourself off what you're doing sensibly to move into your small business, but don't be under any illusions that it's going to make money straight away. I think that it's one of those things that people tell you when you're starting out with your small business is, oh, it's going to take you five years until you pay yourself an income. Well, the reality is you can pay yourself an income sooner if you wanted to, but that money that you're going to pay yourself in a wage might not be money that you can invest back into developing new products or new line. So for the first few years, be prepared to be uh, invest, reinvesting the money back into your into growing business organically and slowly. And I really do think that um, the long game is the game. Is it what's the word I'm looking for? The phrase I'm looking for. Um, the slow game. It will be in it for the long game. Like yes. don't expect a lot of really quick wins. Sometimes they don't come until a little bit later. Mm. Um, but it is hard to keep up the morale. I think get a lot of advice. What I did in the first two years of my business, I told myself that I would try everything. Mm. I would give everything a go because then after I'd done it, at least I would know if it worked or if it didn't. Wow. I'm, I'm pleased I did that. Yes. So I followed my gut. If there were things that I, if there were things that, I really intrinsically, that if they felt wrong, I didn't do them. But if they felt like they were worth giving it a go, then I would. That's, a, that's fantastic advice because you stayed open to all possibilities until you explored that. You don't know whether that's going to bring in another opening and, you know, you're weaving your way through, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. There's always lots of really great opportunities that come up collaborating with other brands, working with influencers, trying out magazines. I wouldn't, you know, one thing I didn't do and I, I still don't do is I don't pay for advertising mm. in um, publications mm. because it's just a real luxury um, that I just don't have. And I also think that, you know, finding ways to do things cleverly that don't cost you lots of money, mm. but you really haven't got a lot to lose is worth it. Mm. Mm, mm. That's, but, that's, don't be scared. but don't be scared to do things. Mm. Um, if you're not sure, as long as you've got too much 
at risk kind of situation. Mm. Kathy, could you tell us the distribution of time? So how much time do you find yourself working on your business and in your business? Oh, and well, my, uh, maybe you should ask my husband that because he thinks I'm the best and that's all I do. I would say, I, I, that's quite interesting because when I first started, mm. I was absolutely exhausted from working on television commercials as a startup, which when I do that, um, sometimes it can swallow me up for a whole week. Mm. Um, and then I would come home and I would set out my online orders. Mm. These days, I um, tend to work pretty much from 7, 7.30 in the morning. Um, I break my day up a little bit and I will be, I might go and do things in my day, like I'll visit my, you know, my mum or do something with my friends. And you come back to it in the late afternoon. I'd say I probably spend a good 50, 60 hours a week on the jewellery, mm. um, realistically. And if I break that down for what I pay myself, it doesn't work out very well. But it doesn't feel like work because I really enjoy it. It's mm. a pleasure mm. all the time. Mm. Mm. I try not to work on my weekend, but then, you know, I break my day up and I might have some customers come and visit me in the afternoon on Saturday. I might have someone come on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So I think that the flexibility of my work week is what makes it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I control my time. I manage how I do things. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Cathy, how much do you think social media is driving your business forward? I think social media is responsible for the success of my business. Um, as much as I hate to say that, um, it's, a, it's a marketing platform mm-hmm. that is extremely affordable and it's, it's the modern way to market a business. So the great thing about social media is that it puts you in touch with your customer on quite a personal level. Mm-hmm. People can sit back and they can scroll through an Instagram feed or they can look through Facebook and they can just sit there as a quiet observer and not get involved. Mm. And they can still be a very uh, active consumer, mm. but they can also, if they want to, get to know you. Mm. So as much as I don't like to be tied to my phone too much, if I didn't respond to people who wrote to me or wrote comments or sent me direct messages, I would lose out on sales. Mm. Because it's not about selling to them as such. It's about forming a relationship with them. It's about providing them with jewellery that makes them feel good, makes them look good. It also is a way for them to understand Happy Hope as a, as a person. And I feel that one of the advantages for me is actually having my name on the brand. Mm. So in the beginning, I thought, oh, no, what have I done? I put my name on this brand. What would I do if I even wanted to sell my business? Which... I don't at the moment. I don't really purpose the thing of what I'm doing. Or, well, you know, what do I do? I'm, I, am I really exposing myself and putting my name? But actually, it's worked in my favour because people get to know me as a person, mm. not just a brand. Mm. Um, so it, it works really well. So social media is a way of, of um, creating a flow of that relationship and building it and keeping the communication lines open. Mm, mm, beautiful. Now, Kathy, you are invested in paying it forward, and that is why all of us at the studio admire you as a person as well. 
Could you share that experience with us and what you're involved in right now as well? Well, I, I've done a few things over the years um, uh, in terms of... When you say paying it forward, do you mean... Um, the school uh, project in, in India? India, yes. yes. So that's probably the biggest one that I was involved in. So three years ago, um, a few of my friends uh, were interested in coming along and joining me for my one of my trips to India. That's where my jewellery is manufactured. And we decided that we wanted to do something that had a little bit more meaning and purpose to it. So Flocks, who is a prolific New Zealand dental artist, um, her name's Hayley, she and I came up with the idea to uh, create a mural in Uraikoa mm-hmm. and to do some teaching in a small government school there. We had another friend, Emma Frog, who's an artist, mm-hmm. who frequently went to India as well, and said that's where I met her. And she lived in Auckland. And my very good friend, who's our, my photographer, Sasha Deshko, she came along as well. So we created this heart project. Where we well, we had a, we were very lucky we were actually only able to do it because one of Emma's friends Rajesh is an artist in Udaipur and he's very well known and he helped make things happen and mm-hmm. um, so he managed to secure the wall which was just by the lake in um, in Udaipur which was right next to his gallery mm-hmm. and what we did was we ended up teaching workshops to children at a little government school just outside of the city in Udaipur. And two, I think it was two or three days, we went in and I taught them how to make beaded bracelets. Mm. And then the other girls did um, different um, art um, classes mm-hmm. and started to photograph the whole thing. And then we created this incredible mural, which is just is actually a tourist destination in Udoport now. Wow. We created this incredible piece of art on a big wall uh, right on the lake in the, of um, right up, right on Lake Pitchula. Mm-hmm. Hello, Jose, Pitchula. <laughs> and it, um, it's called the Painted Peacock Project. And um, so that, it was really nice to be able to create a piece of beauty that had longevity and it was now part of the landscape. So we could gift something to the city mm-hmm. um, and they could have this thing of beauty, which was, um, so it all came full circle. So that was a really good project I did in 2016. I looked at, and then what we did was we came back to New Zealand, we created jewellery and art based on that experience, we did a big big exhibition, and then we donated our proceeds back to the government school. Mm. So we ended up giving, I think it was about $2,000 to the school, and what we did was we got Rajesh to buy them sports equipment, art supplies, Mm -hmm. and things that were luxuries that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to experience and enjoy as part of their curriculum mm-hmm. um, because they just really are so under-resourced at these yes. um, at government schools as you yes. probably know. Yes. Um, so it was really nice to be able to give that back. Mm. Um, so I haven't really done anything as dramatic as that because if I'm completely honest, it was exhausting. <laughs> I can imagine. We were, all, yes. we were all a little bit, uh, we were getting to it with all the best of intentions, but we just didn't realise how much work was going to be involved for us. So we um, we thought, oh, well, we're really glad we've done it, but um, we, we might look at something again in a few years' time, but, you know, it was, it was very all-consuming. Mm, mm, I can imagine. Do you have any projects that you're planning 
here in New Zealand? Yeah, I'm actually um, working on a project at the moment with my friend Flock, uh, mm-hmm. St. Martin's that I went to India with. Mm-hmm. So she and I have designed a really beautiful um, necklace, which we're going to be launching in November. Mm-hmm. And it is a collaboration piece. It's, a, it's both of us who have come together to create um, an Art Nouveau 1930s-inspired necklace, which features New Zealand. Hanukiki and Kofi flowers, and it's got a beautiful centerpiece emerald, and it's quite an incredible necklace. So we've got a limited edition amount of those, and we'll be launching those on the 6th of November. So we're about to start cranking our social media and marketing campaign around that Mm -hmm. at the moment. So if my lovely listeners would love to order a piece, could you guide us through the pre-order process? Yeah, sure. So we're not actually going to be taking pre-orders. Uh-huh. We, um, because it is limited edition, um, we're going to go into it with a big bang on the 6th of November. So I would just say start following Kathy Coat Jewelry and Flocks mm-hmm. on Facebook and Instagram because at the end of this month, we're going to start um, telling people about what we're doing. So it'll be photos and imagery, and then it will be available on the 6th of, no- of November it will also be stocked uh, exclusively at Smith & Crowley's mm-hmm. in Queen Street. They're going to be our exclusive retailer. Um, we've got Anika Moore, uh, who's going to be involved in our project. Um, she's our, everyone knows Anika Moore in New Zealand. Um, we're going to be having a launch party. It's going to be a really fabulous celebration of our celebration. Mm-hmm. So people can come along to our party, get involved. They can buy one, but yeah, just start following us on Facebook and Instagram. Right. So, Cathy, could you tell us about your creation experience and the manufacturing that goes behind it? Sure. So, most years I visit India, where I get my jewellery manufactured, mm-hmm. and that's been a really interesting experience. Um, I would love to have... I was making my chunky trophy collection in New Zealand myself, mm-hmm. uh, which is what launched the business. But I realised because I'm not a jeweller, I don't sit down with um, you know the tools and make the jewellery, I'm a designer, that I would have to find a manufacturer. So every year I go to India and I spend two to three weeks um, talking through, I, I present my designs to them, they sample them up, get them made, and that's pretty much how it works. So all the design is done in New Zealand and I'm working on design at the moment to take it in here with me at the end of this week. So I'm literally sitting here doing all the technical specs and measurements and um, kind of boring um, things that I'm going to sit down with my manufacturer and go through on Monday when I arrive. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I'm really excited because it is a really exciting part of the process for me. I feel like when I'm away focusing on work, I don't have any distractions. Mm-hmm. I'm purely 100% absorbed in my creations. And I love feeling inspired and seeing what gemstones are available, what can be done, you know, when they get made up. Sometimes they don't look so great. Sometimes they don't make the cut. And then sometimes they surprise and delight me as well. Mm-hmm. So do you always bring the pieces back with you? Yeah, usually the 
the total sub spending two and a half weeks there that at the end of that trip, I can bring samples back to New Zealand. If they're not ready, they'll just send them to me. Mm-hmm. But it's really the purpose of the trip is to sit down with my manufacturer and talk through it really thoroughly because it's just not the same doing it on the telephone or mm. on WhatsApp or Skype because we just we're on a different time zone. It's very hard to understand with the language. Mm. Whereas when you're in person and you're sitting down with somebody, you can just get so much more done. And I just find it really productive and much easier for me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now, you do produce your jewellery in all three metals, which is rose gold, gold, and silver? Well, I do some rose gold. Not all collections have rose gold. Uh-huh. Um, my tiny and a few things in my amulet collection are in rose gold. But the, the big sellers for me are yellow gold and silver. Right. Right. Beautiful. I find that I find they, they sell equally. They're not one is not stronger than the other, but yellow gold and silver are definitely the mainstays in terms of metal colours. Right. Now do you take on custom orders? No, because um, my jewelry is manufactured collection uh-huh. with um, quantities. Um, I don't do custom and also I'm not a jeweller and a designer, so uh-huh. I don't sit down with tools. Uh-huh. I get my jewellery made offshore. Okay. So when people, I do get a lot of people asking me if, they, if I can do custom pieces, but that's what a manufacturing jeweller does. So a manufacturing jeweller wouldn't be able to do what I do, mm. which is, uh, well, I mean, there are some who do that, but not very many. Um, most people who design collections don't do custom orders, and people who do custom orders don't design collections. Mm. 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 Beautiful. If anybody's interested in finding out more about Kathy Cope jewellery, I would encourage them to visit my website, kathycope.co.nz, and get in touch with me and come and visit me in my studio in Auckland. Lovely. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences as an entrepreneur and a creative spirited woman. It was a pleasure to have this conversation with you, Kathy. Thank you. Lovely talking.